it started out like a, a day like any other. I went and got the mail as I do most days. And, you, and as, as I was going, as I was going through it, you know, most of it becomes trash, some we keep. Um, and something caught my eye. And when I realized what it was, my mind started racing, my heart rate increased, sweat started forming, my stomach started hurting. It was something that caused me to go from concern to very worried quickly. It was, in fact, a warrant for my arrest. But we'll talk more about that later. <laughs> Hi, my name is Cale Courtright. I'm the spiritual formation minister here at Cross Point. Uh, our preaching minister, Tim, is with our mission team in Honduras today. They made it safely yesterday. We want to keep that group in prayers this week that uh, all they do will be to the glory of God. We know that they will be a blessing to that church in Honduras as they also will be blessed. So we want to pray for them this week. Later this week, our team to Sam's place in Kenya will leave, so we also want to add them to our prayer list. Uh, we're so glad that you're here at Cross Point this morning to worship with us. You know, a few months ago, I was asked if I could preach the month of July, and for the first time, I got to choose what I preach here. If you remember, the, the first time I preached, I had worked here for five days, and they said, you will get blessed are those who mourn. And I said... Welcome to Crosspoint. <laughs> a couple months later, Tim was doing a sermon series on friendship, and he said, could you take the week where we talk about unfriending people? And so I know you guys thought something of me at that point of, he's just the doom and gloom guy. Uh, but today, or this month, I got to, to pick what I preach, and so I chose to preach out of the Sermon on the Mount this month. And there's a number of reasons why, uh, one of which is Sermon on the Mount is Matthew 5 through 7. And in that, of those three chapters, pretty much all that you find is words from Jesus. He doesn't go here, he doesn't do that, he doesn't heal anyone. You get teaching from Jesus. Now, as Christians, this is an important passage. If we choose to follow Christ, if we choose to be his disciples then it stands to reason that we should know what he says. And nowhere else in all of scripture does he speak more or better and more fully line out what he believes than in the Sermon on the Mount. And I have a friend that he, he leads groups to Israel. And so I sent him a text and I said, hey, I'm going to preach on the Sermon on the Mount. Could you send me some pictures? And he said, of course, I was actually there today. And so you'll see a couple of pictures scrolling of the spot that it, it looks like today. Um, this is, if you let your imagination work a little bit, of Jesus gathering around with his disciples and also uh, many crowds are there as he sits and teaches them. And it's interesting that the Gospel of Matthew calls it the Sermon on the Mount because in the Gospel of Luke, we have a very similar teaching, but Luke decides to call his Sermon on the Plains. So is it mountains or is it plains? And I don't think that the location is what matters in this situation. That we have four Gospels in our New Testament, four writers who tell the story in the life of Jesus 
And they all tell it uh, for a different purpose, for a different audience. And here we are, 2,000 years later, in a very different culture, in a very different time, and we're trying to read these words. Now, the Gospel of Matthew is written primarily to a Jewish audience. These are people who had been raised in the Jewish culture, um, and that's how they practiced their religion, was, in, was Judaism. And so Matthew writes with that in mind. He writes in such a way that if you were Jewish, you would get a clear picture from him. And this starts from the very beginning of the book, and it, and it continues on through the Sermon on the Mount. That he is trying to bring forth images to their minds that a specific, specifically a Jewish person would see something in it. So in Matthew chapter 5, verse 1, it says that Jesus ascends the mountain. He sits and he starts teaching. Now, now when he sits, that is a very a, a posture of a teacher. If you remember the story of like Mary and Martha, Martha's upset because Mary is at Jesus' feet. Jesus is sitting. He's in taking the posture of a teacher. And also in Matthew chapter 8, at the end of the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 8, verse 1, it says that Jesus descends from the mountain. So he goes up, he sits down, he teaches, and he walks down. And if, you're, if you were a Jew, you would be thinking, who else ascended the mountain, got the law, and came back down the mountain? They would have been reading and seeing Moses. That the, the Gospel of Matthew, Matthew is writing in such a way to show them that Jesus is the fulfillment of is the better version, he is the new Moses for Israel. He, Jesus himself, in the Sermon on the Mount, he tells them that I'm not here to abolish Moses' law, rather I'm here to fulfill the law. And that's what we see. So Jesus goes up, he sits, and he puts forth his law, his vision for the kingdom, and those who would be part of it. And so with that in mind, let's jump into the Sermon on the Mount and naturally, we will start at the end. So we will start Matthew chapter 7. And would you stand with me as we have a reading of God's word? Matthew chapter 7, verse 13. You can enter God's kingdom only through the narrow gate. The highway to hell is broad, and its gate is wide for the many who choose that way. But the gateway to life is very narrow, and the road is difficult, and only a few ever find it. Beware of false prophets who come disguised as as harmless sheep but are really vicious wolves. You can identify them by their fruit, that is, by the way they act. Can you pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? A good tree produces good fruit and a bad tree produces bad fruit. A good tree can't produce bad fruit and a bad tree can't produce good fruit. So every tree that does not produce good fruit is chopped down and thrown into the fire. Yes, just as you can identify a tree by its fruit, so you can identify people by their actions. Not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only those who actually do the will of my Father in heaven will enter. On judgment day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name and cast out demons in your name and perform many miracles in your name. But I will reply, I never knew you. Get away from me, you who break God's laws. Anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise, like a person who builds a house on solid rock. Though the rain comes in torrents and the floodwaters rise and the winds beat against that house, 
It won't collapse because it is built on bedrock. But anyone who hears my teaching and doesn't obey it is foolish, like a person who builds a house on sand. When the rains and the floods come and the winds beat against that house, it will collapse with a mighty crash. When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching, for he taught with real authority, quite unlike their teachers of religious law. You can be seated. So Jesus puts forth a clear image here at the end of the Sermon on the Mount of who it is will follow him. And I like to call this passage the passage of twos, because he puts forth all these images and he gives two choices. There are two gates, one that is broad and wide and another that is narrow and difficult to to find. There are two trees. There are good trees that produce good fruit and there are bad trees that produce bad fruit. Which one will you be? You can tell by their actions, he says. There are people who say, Lord, Lord, but there's one group of them who only say it while others say, Lord, Lord, and they do the will of the Father. And finally, there are two houses, two kinds of people who will build their house, who will build their life on the rock, which is Jesus, which is his teaching. And then there are some who will choose to not do that, who he calls fools. Jesus doesn't really mince words here. He says it is one way or the other. You are either wise or you are foolish. It is up to you. It is your choice. But what he's really saying here is all that I teach, will you or won't you put it into practice? This is what Diedrich Bonhoeffer said when speaking about the Sermon on the Mount. He wrote, the only proper response to this word, which Jesus brings with him from eternity, is simply to do it. When you hear the Sermon on the Mount, when you hear teaching of Jesus, when you come in contact with him, will you follow him and put his words into practice, or won't you? Will you be wise, or will you be foolish? So today, I did not wear my glasses, as I normally do. And did anyone notice before right now? Anyone notice? Okay. I have it in my notes, like leave a blank. This many people mentioned it to you. One out of both services. Only one mentioned it to me that they were like, oh, no glasses today. I thought this would be like a great example, like all of you mentioning it, because it's different, right? I'm not, you don't see me as you normally do. I also don't see you normal, as I normally do, because I, <laughs> I don't see as well with contacts. But this was supposed to be, you know, a good visual that none of you played along with, so that's okay. You're all very nice to me. But I didn't, and so you might see me now, and you go, well, yeah, he's dressed a little bit differently. This is what I call the normalization of deviation, that I, I have deviated from my normal look. In fact, in this very room, we added something about three months ago. Don't mention it if you know what it is. Look around. What might be new here since about the middle of April? That maybe at first you saw it and it stuck out to you, and now you're like, yeah, I didn't even remember it was there. It's the normalization of deviation. It was new but now it's not. You don't notice it. Anyone got it? The light behind the cross? We added that Easter Sunday, mid-April this year, and now, like me, maybe you don't even think about it. Tim reminded me this week, hey, I, I normally plug that in. You'll have to plug it in. And I was like, what cross? What, what light? <laughs> uh, and these things happen from time to time. Maybe like the picture up here. Maybe has your kitchen ever looked like this? 
Maybe when you were in college or something, that's just overflowing of dishes. I don't know, if you're like me, I'd look at my roommates and be like, all right, nobody leaves this room until everything is clean. You know, it's, things are growing in here. So we have got to clean this up. And you would spend, you know, college guys, maybe an hour worth of cleaning. And you get to the end and you go, why do we live any different? Why don't we just put our dishes away? Uh, and you, this is so nice, right? Why don't we do this? Well, you know, it is clean. And then, you know, later that week, someone will put a, a cereal bowl in there and then someone will add a plate. Before you know it, things get piled up. And so what was normal has changed. Or I don't know, maybe it's your house. That every Monday night we host a connect group at, at my house and Mondays then the house gets clean. And it's like, oh, I love connect group Monday nights because the house is clean. Now don't go in the, in the bedrooms, don't go back there. But, <laughs> but what they see is clean. And we go, Savannah and I talk and we go, let's just, let's just keep it clean. And we have two kids under five, so you know how that goes. But we, you know, it, it deviates, right? We get, we start out somewhere clean, and before we know it, we're somewhere else. And that's okay when we're talking about a house, and that's okay when you're talking about your kitchen sink. But what about when you deviate from the life that you were called to as a Christian? That maybe that whenever you made that decision, you said this is the path that I know for me. This is how God wants me to live. Tim just finished the series on 1 John that's all about walk in the light as he is in the light. Stay on the path. How many of us, that's where we start. That's what we want to do. And then, you know, maybe a few weeks later, we've, we've taken a step off the path. And, you know, it's not exactly what we want, but it's, it's not that bad. You know, it doesn't make me that abnormal. I look around and I know, well, I'm, I'm doing better than these people over here, or I'm not doing that, or at least I was there on Sunday morning. But we've deviated off the path, and we haven't stuck to the place where Jesus wants us to walk. We've deviated from what he has said. And I don't know about you, but this is true in my life when I look at it. So, I got the mail, and I had a warrant for my arrest. And I know you're thinking, what is that criminal doing up there? Uh... Jesus saves everyone, all right? So, so I got a warrant for my arrest, and I was, you know, I was sick. I was like, what? I'm going to, can't, I can't go to jail. I, I mean, and so I called, and, you know, lo and behold, I hadn't put a registration sticker on my car, and I thought they gave me a warning, and I, I have proof. I have backup for that. If you want to know how, you can ask me later. They gave me a warning, they said, but then they set a court date I didn't know about, which I, you know, didn't show up for, and and so we got that taken care of, so no more warrant. I'm not, I'm not a wanted person, not yet anyways. Um, but I wondered, you know, what would it take, how far away am I really? Because, you know, I thought I was the kind of person who wouldn't have warrants out for the arrest, and lo and behold, I did. So how far away are we really? Some of us are, we're comfortable taking, you know, one step off the path, but how far are we before we're a lot further than we intended to be? Down over here, I have uh, a couple of buckets here. Um, when we moved into our new house in September, it required a lot of remodel, and we had a lot of help with that. A lot of people from Crosspoint helped us, and Tim helped us a lot. And part of what was needed was retiling some bathrooms. And this is used for it. I don't know what they do, but we had to have this. And, and so we're retiling these bathrooms. And when we get done with the job, we have this pile in my garage that, you know, Tim's like, we're done. Some of that you can return to Home Depot, some of it you can't. And I'm like, 
awesome. So I go through, and I'm like, well, we clearly use this. We have to keep that. This has never been opened. We'll take that back. You know, money, awesome. That's going to be good. And we get to these two buckets, and I go, well, this one's pretty light. So it's, it's pretty obvious that we use that one. But this one, this one's a lot heavier. And from when I look at it, I can't tell if it's been opened or not. In fact, I, I tried to open it, and I got it open with a lot of work. I think I even needed to use a screwdriver to open it. And out of the very middle of it, it's like someone took an ice cream scoop, just one little scoop right out of the middle of it. And so then I thought, can I take this back? Will they ever know? I struggled to get, to get it open. And I know the lady working the returns desk at Home Depot, she's not gonna, even going to try. Will they ever know if I take it back or not? And I was scared, and so I didn't. But I wasn't scared that I would get caught. I was scared that I would get away with it. Because if I become the kind of person that's okay doing that one time, what will I be willing to do next time? And I don't tell you that story to say, you know, congrats to me, but because I know there are other places in my life that I haven't made the righteous decision. That I have said, you know what, nobody will know. There Maybe there are no consequences for this action. What kind of people do we become if we take steps off the path? See, Jesus says in the Sermon on the Mount, as he draws a clear line in the sand, he says, if you want to follow me, you will do as I say. You want to be a wise person? Then follow the teaching that I have laid out for you. What kind of people will we be? We say it all the time, and rightfully so, that Jesus is our our Savior. And we, we sing songs about that, we praise him, we lift our hands in praise to that, and that is right. And no matter where you find yourself today, Jesus can and will save you. I believe he is ready with open arms to receive you wherever you are. But he also wants you to become his disciple. He wants to be your Savior, but he also wants to be the Lord of your life. And to be the Lord of your life requires that you submit to what he says. You submit to his teaching. Where he goes, you will go. What he does is what we do. And a lot of us, and a lot of times, I want the Savior without the Lord. I want the Savior. I want everything Jesus can offer me, but the changing of my life, ah, I don't know if I want to do that. I love this quote by G.K. Chesterton, and it says this. The Christian, says this, the Christian ideal has not been tried and found wanting. It has been found difficult and left untried. Let me read that again. The Christian ideal has not been tried and found wanting. It has been found difficult and left untried. And I can tell you that that's been true sometime in my life. And I know that you can probably relate at times. That it's not that we've experienced God and we've lived how he had and said, you know, that wasn't good enough. It's that we've said, I don't know if I want to give my whole life over to you. That's, Jesus asks nothing short than our whole life. So we can talk a lot about Jesus as Savior or Jesus as Lord, but sometimes I wonder if we read his teaching, we read the words that he has to offer, and we wonder, is it really worth it? Does he really know that this is the best way to life? Is he really as smart as we are? I mean, does he really know the best way to live life? 
And as Christians, we have to be the people that are willing to say, yes, we know that his way to life is the best way to life. Anything else, and we are fools. This year, our theme has been enough all year. We've talked a lot about how God is enough, no matter where you're at, no matter who you are. But another way you might think about it is, have you had enough of living any other way? That you know no other way leads to life than following Jesus. So I don't know about you, but I've had enough. I'm going to invite Brad and the praise team back up as we close. Something I've been doing that I want to invite you to practice with me is last few weeks, I've been reading the Sermon on the Mount every day. It's three chapters. I want to invite you to that practice for the month of July. And we missed July 1st, but we can start here, July 2nd. I want to invite you to read these three chapters every day this month. These are truly words to live by. These are the words of Jesus, and I know that they will form you if you let them this month. It would take you about 10 minutes, a little bit less, a little bit more, We had a member of ours that I told about this practice this week. They listened to it on their Bible app on their way to work. It took them 14 minutes. Do you have 14 or less minutes to give to these words? No matter where you find yourself today, on the path, a few steps off the path, wherever you find yourself today, know that Jesus is waiting with arms wide open. And so are we as a church family. While we sing this song, our shepherds and their wives will be around this room ready to accept you to pray with you. Won't you come as we stand and sing?